Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul named Adam. And I'm Zach, and there, there is, there's not a good Zechariah part. There's a... There, there is a Zechariah in the Bible, more than one, I assume. I don't remember every genealogy. <laughs> I uh, had to add I, I the don't... named Adam part, because the way they introduced my name in Genesis is uh, not, not the way I thought it was. Um, but boy, howdy, we're going to get into some religiosity today, aren't we? Yes, like all comics podcasters of all time, we have now become a Bible podcast. Uh <laughs> So I'd like y'all to open up your hymnals to Uncanny X Men, and let let's let's go to number four twenty three. No, uh, because let's not, <laughs> please. Because because this week, guys, he's back. He's back. You know him. You love him. It's Chuckles the Truckles. Uh, he's here, and we get to talk about his run. And guys, this is one of the big three. This is one of the big three bad Chuck Austin stories. We already have the Draco, and now we're going to have Holy War. And Adam, oh, Adam, do you know why we have uh, Robert? Who's responsible? His name's Robert. He's a really good Patreon supporter on (sighs) Patreon.com, and he does so much uh, for the site in helping us finance these great, great goofs that we bring to you every week. Uh. And I'm not saying thought, thank you. I'm not saying thank you. I'm not. I will thank you. <laughs> not for you this know what Robert thought? Yeah. What did he Robert, think? Robert thought, we've done this show 139 times. And guys, I'm not going to say we're getting stale. Because I don't think that's true. No. I think last week I yelled in Russian for a lot. That's a that's a new twist on this. Adam read read from Bible earlier today. That's that's different. <laughs> uh, so I don't think stale, but I think I think he wanted to stretch us. He said, "I know what you I know you guys know what the podcast is. I want you to expand in that area and get into some places you aren't comfortable with." And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Adam, I'm not comfortable with Uncanny X Men Holy War. Uh. Man, are you talking about a story that opens with random ex-kids being crucified on the uh, Westchester lawn? Is that what we're talking about here? Because, whoo, I got some issues with this story. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about uh, producer of Kippo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, uh, Chuck Austin, and the story that him and Ron Garneycraft uh, called Holy War. It does open up Chamber, Jubilee, Magma, Skin, and Bedlam. I guess Chamber's not. He's just in the supporting characters list. Uh, but all those except for uh, except for Chamber, they do get crucified. Like, like you know, Jesus wept crucified. Jesus didn't weep during the crucifixion. I mean, at least the verse Jesus wept is not from the crucifixion. That's from... Uh, raising his friend Lazarus from the dead, but that's not what's important here, guys. We're going to do a lot of Bible on this one. Uh, just, just so you're clear, we have to, we've got to. Anyway, yeah. and they are like straight up nailed to like giant wooden crosses. Like we're not but talking not even about... like Wolverine style, like on a uh, an what X? Is it, a Saint Saint Andrew's cross. Yeah, no, they don't get that. Nope, they don't get the thematic one. They get they get a. Jesus of Nazareth and those two uh, two crazy thieves, uh, they get those kind of crosses. Right off the bat, this is awful. It's 
awful. We're already seeing these characters who we love nailed up to crosses, which is ridiculous. And already the banter between these characters is similarly just outrageously stupid. We have Jean bemoaning whether she should call for help telepathically. We have... Uh, Do you know what Wolverine has to say on this? Uh, Someone tells Wolverine to calm down and he says, calm down my butt. Where's a healer? Where's Zorn? Where's Worthington? Where the hell is Worthington? He also says, we are the police because there's an argument about whether to call the police. You're the X-Men. What are you talking about? Why is this even a point of conversation? (sighs) So Adam, Adam, do you know, do you know when this comic was published? I mean, we're, we're during new X-Men, right? This is uh, this is during Morrison's run. Yes. Do you know very specifically when this comic was published? Give me, give me some dates because I'm unclear of the uh, the historical context. The publication date on this is July 2003. Now, if you know the difference between street dates and uh, publication dates of comics, you'll know that we have to jump back a couple of months. Uh, that this comic came out. Well, about May of 2003. And do you know what else came out in May of 2003, Adam? May of 2003 was what? X2, X-Men United. Oh, God. An adaptation of... God, God Loves, Loves Man, Man Kills. God Loves Man Kills 2 comes out simultaneous with this. Guys, they came out at the same time? Yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. I'm having some problems processing this for a second because we, I I am like, what, five pages into this thing and Nightcrawler is screaming Habakkuk's complaint into the sky verbatim. Like he's quoting scripture and screaming it out loud. God love man kills two style. What is going on? Nightcrawler doesn't do that, guys. Nightcrawler is Catholic in the way that like JFK was Catholic. It's like he did go to Mass. Nightcrawler likes it a lot more than other people and does take his faith very seriously. He doesn't only speak in Scripture. That's bananas. People don't do that except in fiction, Chuckles. (sighs) And if people missed that episode, go back and listen to us rant and rave about this pet peeve, especially of mine, of characters just like not not always just quoting things like verbatim out of nowhere like there's some sort of literary professor but especially quoting scripture like it's just rolling off their tongue and replacing it with what they would be saying in the scenario that is not realistic it's not happening and i don't care what the subplot here is about nightcrawler being secretly trained to be the pope which we'll get we'll into we'll get to that hold on but that hold on cuz we still have to we're dealing with the first few pages still Adam. <laughs> there's a heck of a lot more comic oh there's there, in fact i'm already exhausted i haven't <laughs> i haven't even i haven't even exhausted all of my thoughts on the cover of this because from jump street there's a lot bad going on here yeah the, the cover is terrible so let's start let's start with publication date. We know. Same time as X2. Right, right. Same time as God Loves Man Kills 2. By the way, if you want to hear that rant, that's literally the first thing we recorded. That's episode one. Go check it out, folks. Is that really our first episode? That was our first episode. We did God Loves Man Kills, God, Loves, God Man Loves Man Kills 2, and and no, and then we did that dupe issue of <laughs> We did that dupe issue of Wolverine to the X-Men. Man, we started so weird. It's almost We did it uh, we we almost had it from the first issue. We almost had that we should theme these episodes, and it still took us two months. That's okay. That's okay. We we got it uh, anyway. All right. So so we were saying so, timing the cover first. Wolverine is wearing his grand unified Wolverine costume. Which Adam, do you know what that is? No, it's terrible though. It's the time in 2003 when Marvel decided that all Wolverines across all media should have the same look, uh, which is why Wolverine is wearing the ultimate Wolverine costume here, except for with regular Wolverine's hair. And that was also his costume on X-Men Evolution at the time, replacing the incredibly good orange costume that he had in that show. Uh, It was the costume in Wolverine video games that were coming out at the same time. They could not convince the movie folks to wear this exact costume, but it's very close to the movie costume. 
He doesn't actually wear this thing. That's just what's on the covers. Right. He's also sporting a, a pretty gnarly beard. Uh, just just the chin part. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was part of the grand unified Wolverine look. Yeah, it's bad. But here's the, here's the last thing from a cover standpoint on this. Yeah. Do you know how much this comic cost you to purchase? There is no price on the cover that I have here in front of me. It cost a quarter. Oh, that's nice. This was Marvel's big, we've got a movie coming out. It's so hot right now. Everyone loves these mutants. Let's get them to buy the comic. So they slapped a 25 cent sticker on this. And the comic they chose was Holy War. By Chuck Austin. That's a sin. That's just straight up a sin. Yeah, <laughs> Not even religious. It's one of the unforgivable ones. <laughs> it's terrible. Why would you force this upon people? Why would you force uh, angels healing blood on people? Why would you force Nightcrawler being secretly trained uh, to be a, a priest? And then, oh God, I we got to get into the actual like overarching evil uh scheme here because it is one of the most ridiculous and stupidest things i have ever read in my entire life okay so joe casey's run uh that starts with poptopia and then leads into the chuckles austin run uh had a subplot that casey never got around to fully developing about the church of humanity right which was which was an evil church. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's fine. There's storytelling potential there. You already have the purifiers, but whatever. Let, like, let's let's play with this. Yeah, I mean, and that that would be fine if it made any damn sense. It does not. Uh, right. Nightcrawler fact, is, you know, reminiscing about the time when all of his friends got together to watch him get ordained, and they're like, which, to be clear, <laughs> happens off screen. Right. Never. In the comics, it does happen during the jump between the Alan Davis run and Chris Claremont's return, where there was like a six-month gap. Sure, but it didn't happen on screen, and they end up at a church with what appears to be an evil scientific lab in its basement, where they're testing yeah. mutants, but that really doesn't have anything to do with the story. No, so there's a, there's a, there's a priest uh, that... Nightcrawler had been working with uh, and he'd been like mentoring him and Nightcrawler did leave the caller behind uh, because and I'm not making this up was too horny (laughs) right that's textual that is the actual truth is that Nightcrawler was too horny and he was too horny for the Church of Humanity to go through their plan which we find out all of this in exposition so that this is another sin of this comic Nothing actually happens. They explain a plan that isn't going to happen. They explain a plan that failed. And that's the bad guy's plan. It's like, well, we had this plan, but you all screwed it up off screen. So now I guess you're going to fight us for motivation? Well, let's let's also mention that we spent a lot of time just a minute ago talking about this huge crucifixion scene, which we didn't mention kills key Generation X members off off panel. Um, rest in peace, skin. Rest in peace, bedlam. You're both alive on Krakoa. Great. Took decades for that to happen, but seriously, dude. uh, But we find out in the second issue of this, uh, amazing epic that the only reason that happened was because two wily henchmen just kind of decided they needed to send the X-Men a message. Their job was just to go and destroy that lab in that church. And then while they were there, they just decided, okay, we're going to overpower generation X and nail them to crosses. How did that happen? To be fair, happen? it was skin. To be fair, one of them was skin. And I love I love you, Angelo. Mwah. Love you so much. You're easily the weakest member of Generation X. You're telling me that Jubilee just let this happen? I'm telling you that... Two random henchmen from a random church somewhere with no superpowers whatsoever were able to overpower like six different powered mutants and nail them I to mean, crosses and erect those I mean, crosses magma. on the front lawn just for kicks yeah look 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 
I ain't defending this plan. I'm just saying Skin's not the go-to. You had Magma sitting right there, and she's boring, but she's also very strong. Uh, yeah. That would not have happened. It is just logically impossible. And that is just part of the overarching scheme, which I guess we get explained to us at some point here about Nightcrawler okay. being the... Can I do it? Yeah, please, just, just walk it? us through this, because it's so, so aggravating. Go ahead. It is. And by the way, before I jump into this, if anyone wants to understand uh, from a canonical Catholic Church standpoint, what could or could not have happened with this plan from the position of the Catholic Church and how this would have worked, there is an incredible article that uh, Robert Secundus wrote for uh, Xavier Files called Can Nightcrawler... Uh, perform a red mass on mars yes uh that goes that goes in an insane amount of detail on this it's one of my favorite things that we've ever posted to the site uh just due to the sheer audacity almost as audacious as the plan of the church of humanity which was and again this is past tense because all of this is them explaining what their old plan was and how they don't actually have a new plan but their plan was Get Nightcrawler to be good at being a priest in the Church of Humanity, which I need to be very clear right up front, is not the universal Catholic Church. Right. (laughs) It's not that. But they want to get Nightcrawler so good at being a priest that he raises through the ranks of this church that they are not a part of. So that he becomes the rightfully appointed Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, which, again, not how this works. <laughs> no. All of which, what? while using an image inducer, yes, so that he that's just key looks to like the a plan. dude. He's got to have the image inducer because the Im- image inducer has to fail to spur what? It has to fail at the same time that they have infiltrated the Vatican's big old communion that I don't, I've not been to the Vatican. I don't know if they actually do a big old communion. I'm not Catholic. But have all these people take their communion wafers at the same time as his image inducer fails. And these communion wafers, they disintegrate people? Yes, which we see demonstrated on screen. Uh, in panel, uh, because one of the guy who's explaining the evil plan explodes in front of them. <laughs> so then someone else just finishes out the plan, by the way. They say, well, you didn't get all that exposition. We got to lay this on thick for you. So at the same time, his image inducer is going to fail, and then they're going to think that he's the devil and the Antichrist, and that the rapture just happened, and... I don't actually know what they're trying to accomplish there, but also that's not what Catholics believe in. That's not their interpretation of scripture or revelation or any of that stuff. In fact, raptural stuff has not really become popular until like the 60s, 70s in evangelical circles. Uh, Most people believed in a tribulation and, you know, after the whole revelation stuff, then Jesus comes back thousand years reigning and everyone's happy and living in the golden city and then Jerusalem comes down to earth and then forever and ever and ever. Amen. That's not how any of this works. Chuckles. A fight scene ensues in which we find out that the (laughs) Bravo, Bravo, a fight scene ensues in which Nightcrawler removes the, uh, the religious headgear of the villain um, all while screaming scripture at each other, only to reveal that she is a woman. Uh, Iceman immediately makes a comment that she's cute, and then she blows everything up. She blows everything up, and then on the last page, we find out... Okay, can well, I get into this? She did I gotta this. get into yeah, this. Yeah, you, you got you... to. I've done too much, and I'm angry. All right. So if you weren't angry enough about the Pope rapture plotline, which is already, if you weren't angry enough about the crucifixion stuff, now on the very last page of this story, we are expected to believe that, quote unquote, in the days that followed, we learned that the woman who became the Church of Humanity's Pope. All right, let's just stop there for a second. How did they know that? 
How did they find that out? What textual evidence could they possibly have that would explain what I'm about to tell you? That she had once been a Catholic nun who had been content warning for sexual uh, assault here, I'm sorry, had been raped by a priest, accused of infidelity by that priest, and forcibly removed from her life's work by church officials. And that is what inspired her to do what we hear about as this master plan in this issue. What a crock of, I I know we don't curse on this podcast, but I have a bleep button. What a crock. I am just so offended by the way in which this wraps up. It, It is so offensive that that is the way that this all gets tied together and explained not only because it's not logical, but it's so insulting and just revolting the way that Chuck Austin comes up with what the the background of this is. I hate it. I hate it so much, Zach. This is bad from a let let's start from a content perspective. Like the motivation stuff are regressive and bad. From a doctrinal perspective of if you are if you are going to write a criticism about a thing, say the Catholic Church or organized religion as a whole, you gotta do the due diligence and get like the concepts behind it correct and know what you're criticizing or else it comes off as, why should we listen to you? You don't even know what you're talking about. This is bad from a structure standpoint and storytelling standpoint because we are literally being talked to about this bad comic. The bad comic is just explaining like, hey, here's this plot that didn't happen. Man, you guys dodged a bullet because Kurt was super horny, right? This is one of the worst comics in X-Men history. And I hate it on so many levels. Ron Garney's art is fine. It's nowhere near his best. It's serviceable. And he's like... The art here is phoned in, in in a big, big way, especially in the second issue. Things completely fall apart. You can tell that someone is inking directly over just breakdowns and it is rough. Uh, it's not fun to look at. It just it hits all of the uh, the buttons that I think drive us absolutely insane about bad storytelling in X-Men comic books. And it does it in two issues. And. There's just the the list goes on and on of the mistakes that this makes. And it's so bad. It's so bad. So why don't we take a look at our (laughs) giant list um, of 348 X stories of which Chuck Austin's right there at the bottom. He is. He's right at 348 with the Draco. One of his big three. One One of Chuck's big three stories. Uh, the other one is She Lies with Angels, uh, which... We haven't done yet. It, it, Which, Adam, that one's bad, but, like, that has the so bad that it's kind of funny. Not good, but the ways that it's bad are hilarious. Sure. <laughs> this, this did uh, not have redeeming factors for me. It did not. Uh, number 300 is Poptopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 200 on our list is Nation X from Uncanny X-Men. Uh, number 100 on our list is that time that Magneto threw Red Skull into a hole in Captain America 367. And by the way, if anyone wants to come up with another story that's going to make me really mad, let's talk about the road to Axis from Uncanny Avengers. Because I just reread all of Uncanny X-Force, which is still dope, and all of Uncanny Avengers, which is worse than I remembered, and all of Axis, which mm, was a waste of money. Why are you I purchased stuff, every man? issue. What are you doing to yourself? I, I, Do we get to number Rick one? Rick Remender was... Uh, number one Stark Phoenix Saga. We're not even going to be touching that area of the list right now. <laughs> and the reason I'm doing this to myself is because Rick Remender was complaining. He's like, I just couldn't... I couldn't bring myself to write Uncanny X-Men. And I'm like, dude, get off it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. Don't even. Don't even. Yeah, for listeners like, who may not be aware, Remember... That X-Force is pretty good. Yeah, Remender came out on Twitter uh, recently and said something along the lines that he was 
uh, asked to put together a story Bible for post uh, Secret Wars X Men, and then eventually, which which was heavily rumored and like like that was an open secret at the time, right, right. But he actually shared a little blurb of it, and then claimed that he had been recently offered it as well in some capacity, which I don't know what that could have been, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of weasel words in that one, so don't. Uh... <laughs> Like, you don't know when recently was or what the context nope. was or anything like that. So don't read too much into that one, folks. Uh, anyway, this comic's real bad, Adam. I'm all the way uh, at the bottom of the list. Let's talk, like, bottom five stories here. Well, Magneto, let's... let's long, yeah, go ahead. Here's what I'd say. At number 343 on our list is God Loves Man Kills 2... Which came out concurrently with this, which, wow, what a bad time to be reading X-Men. Because you got those two stories. Then you also got Murder at the Mansion, the Grant Morrison arc, which is pretty good. That's such a weird contrast. Anyway. It is. That's what the line was at the time. It was two Bible stories and this good mystery. Uh, I think this is worse than God Loves Man Kills 2. I do, too. I think it's worse than the uh, Joseph miniseries named Magneto Volume 1. I think it's worse than Witchblade and Wolverine get married. I think it's yeah. worse than NYX 1 to 7. I think this is also worse than NYX 1 through 7. So now we're coming to the bottom two stories on our list. We have X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire and the Draco. <sighs> I, this story so, okay. does Here's, hit on things that we assigned for these two stories to be at the bottom. <laughs> Agreed. It belongs in the bottom it three. It does. It belongs there. That's its home. That's where it deserves to be. Here's what I'll say as the pros for Holy War. Okay. It's two issues long. The art could be a heck of a lot worse. Okay. There we go. That's it. it. Those 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 are my redeeming qualities on that that one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is it is shorter than Legacy of Fire and the Draco. Um, it is not performing a complete character assassination like the Draco. The art is not. It doesn't have bad anime art like the Draco. The art is not nearly as bad as the Draco or Legacy of Fire. Um, I think that it does just flippantly utilize sexual assault as a, uh, a storytelling m- method, which I-, I find repulsive. Um, but yeah, that's bad. But, that's bad. But maybe because not. He didn't, yeah, go ahead. He didn't even try. Hold on. That's the thing about that. He didn't even try to craft a compelling narrative about it. No, he just threw that in on the last page and said, Oh yeah, this is why she was evil, which dude, don't do don't don't do that. <laughs> writers don't do that uh and i i don't know if that just that that flippant excuse of storytelling at the end is as bad as uh the really heinous terrible uh sexualization of the characters in legacy of fire um i i'm <sighs> I think where I'm thinking to put this is right below NYX and above Legacy of Fire, but I could be convinced otherwise. So there's no science to this, but that feels that feels right. Yeah. This can this can be the third worst X-Men story of all time. And guys, I'm I'm trying to think. I think our bottom 3 is pretty well locked in for eternity. That's that's rough. That's rough. It's going to be very difficult to get. And and similar to like number one, don't see anybody uh, usurping Dark Phoenix Saga. But this bottom three, uh, wow, pretty dreadful. So this is officially our new 347 Holy War. Uncanny X-Men 423 to 424. Uh, Zach, we're going to need a palate cleanser after that. We're... <laughs> well, luckily... You hear that ASMR content right there? Oh, what are you having this week? Hopefully something not I as terrible. I have an old-fashioned. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I have an old-fashioned. It's really good. Yeah, I made it myself. Uh, it's with bad bourbon, but you know what? I'm already mixing it, we so need to improve I don't care. your liquor cabinet, sir. Um, We're in the middle of a pandemic, Adam. That is I true. I have bourbon. 
That's what's important right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I had I had a lot of really good bourbon. Uh, it was just during the times when you were on the hiatus. I see. So you missed all of my good bourbon now, content. Now we have you the only bad got, bourbon. <laughs> yeah, you got you got you're in the bad bourbon zone right now. The BBZ. Well, you know why don't we uh, why don't we talk about another story that involves a crucifixion, uh, and that is <laughs> X Factor. Uh, volume three, number 16, uh, which is about a character we referenced uh, pretty recently, right? John Maddox, the priest. Uh, yeah, he he's an, uh, was it Anglican priest or pastor? Uh, I don't know. If the, is that special? Episcopalian. Yes. Episcopalian. That's right. That's right. He, he is the pastor at St. Paul's Episcopal Church. Good for him. And uh, kudos to uh, Peter Allen David. Um, what do we call him? Two-time Glad Award winning Peter Allen David? Yeah, two-time Glad Award winner <laughs> Peter Allen David. Uh, I got to hand it to him. We've been complaining about the use of scripture as uh, as a, you know something that characters use as speech. But the first bubble in this is be fruitful and multiply as a multiple man joke. And I, I got I to say, I kind of loved that. And he's also yeah, given uh, the he- sermon. Um, it's yeah. revealed that one of his dupes is a uh, Episcopalian priest. Yeah, uh, Pastor, Pastor John Maddox. Sorry. He's great. He don't worry. I don't. I I Adam am legally ordained by the uh, Universal Church. Of, I forget their name. They're online, but dang it, it is legal. Uh, Satan. Uh, no, it's a it's <laughs> it's, it's vaguely <laughs> Christian. Uh, by vaguely, I mean they said, "Look, man." You can show this to the state, and they legally can't say that you aren't allowed to perform marriages if you fill out a form and give them $20. (laughs) Fair. The $20 is a filing fee, which, like, I get. You have to do that for pretty much any state licensure. That's that's all right. Uh, So, speaking speaking as our resident man of the cloth, uh, I think John Maddox is great. Me too. He just seems like... He seems like a cool pastor. Like he's like, yeah, I like people. Y'all pretty neat. Uh, you know, let's let's read this book. It's very old, and there's some good parts in it. Some bad ones too. There's also some good stuff here. So let's let's dig into that and just you know smile on your brother. We gotta love one another right now. Yeah. So he's uh, less than thrilled when uh, Jimmy Prime walks through the door and uh, he takes off running. Yeah, because Jamie, at this point during X-Factor, has been on a mission to absorb all of his dupes, because mm-hmm. he, he he feels like he's missing something with all the dupes that he just kind of forgot about, or he said, hey, go out and learn something. Like, he's got a dupe that he's like, go be a lawyer. Like, go to law school, learn how to be a lawyer, and then I'm going to... You're going to come back, and then I'm going to know how to be a lawyer? And he does this for a lot of things. And this is a good skill that Jamie Jamie has. He does have to deal with the repercussions of, well, I did, like, let a me live its life for ten years. And that me is not me anymore. They are different. And it's that a is, rough one. That is the fascinating thing about these plot lines and the idea of like, let, it's almost a time travel story. You know, you're, you're letting someone else be you in a separate parallel life and then expecting them to give up on that at a certain point and become part of a whole. And here it's all the more complicated because Maddox has a wife and a son. Yeah, uh, he got married and like has a whole life here. And at one point, you know, him and Jamie have a confrontation and John pulls out a gun on him and says, you're not taking this away from me. Like, I get it. I was part of you once, but you don't have dominion. You don't have control over me anymore. You no. I had I built my own life. You you can't be that selfish jerk and rip a father out of this family and. After a big emotional thing, Jamie finally relents. Uh, yeah, I, I got to say, and I know this is because I'm a dad and maybe it's because of all the at home time that I've been spending lately due to what's been going on. But I found this scene to be very effective 
and affecting. I mean, it really showcases how, you know, this character has developed this life on his own and is not going to let it go. Now, I'm not proposing that anybody pull firearms on other people within their houses or otherwise, but in this particular situation, it works really, really well. Yeah, it's the most dramatic thing you can do in a scene is pull a gun. I guess, yes. That's that's improv 101, Adam. How do you not know? It's yes and, and then if you want it to be more dramatic, pull out a gun. Somebody has a gun. Um, so, But no, just, when, yeah, when, go ahead. when I, last time we talked X Factor, I talked about how I really have a soft spot for the early, like the first 50 issues mm-hmm. of X Factor. Yeah. And it's because of stuff like this. Uh, Peter David, who I have so many mixed feelings on, does incredibly well with these kind of human plot points. Mm-hmm. It works so well at making you understand what Jamie is going through and him freaking out, but also what John is going through and how they are different and how he is going to protect his family. And you get to the point where you are not siding with the protagonist of this story. No. You're like, no, Jamie, you can't do that. That's bad. Right. Um, I think that's what makes him such a a compelling character in this era. I mean, it it really is interesting when you get uh, lineups like this where they're they're figuring out what they've been up to and then what Jamie Prime is expecting them to do. Um, Just to clarify, I mentioned earlier that this particular issue does have another crucifixion in it. That has nothing to do with the Maddox story that we've been talking about. There's a... Oh, absolutely not. There's a subplot going on with with Siren and Monet in France, and uh, they encounter uh, a man murdered uh, in that fashion, Um, which uh, that's an ongoing subplot that really doesn't have a lot to do with the, the, the main arc of what's going on in this story. Yeah, it's it sets up like not the next arc because the next arc is X Core, which we just talked about, or XL, excuse me. Right, right. Uh, but the arc after that, the Isolationist. Yeah, um, I really like this. This is a, this is a very good issue. So, um, I am looking at one eighty six uh, is where we had they keep killing Madrox. That was X Factor 229 to 232. I think this is better than that. I do too. Uh, by the way, uh, Pablo Raimondi mm-hmm. uh, does the art on this one, uh, which is better than the stuff he did in XL. Uh, yeah. He's pretty good. I like in this. the art quite a bit. There's um, there's even a little Ethan Hawke uh, trace in here that I really like. He's one of the cops. There's another actor here too that he traces, and I, I can't place who he is. I'll, I'll think about it later, but. Um, if you look at the police scenes, it's definitely Ethan Hawke in the one shot. It's great. <laughs> uh, so where are you thinking on the list? I, I'm 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 going higher than 186 here. I am too. Um, I'm looking at some stuff. Uh, we've got like Arms of the Octopus at 138, and I like this better than that. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um how do you feel about it compared to Avengers World 17 at 117 on our list? That's the story where Cable, or not Cable, excuse me, Cannonball and uh, Smasher reunite and have a kid. Well, that's a good comparison to that. Um, I don't know if this is, I mean, like right above that is uh, Uncanny X-Men Fall of the Mutants. Like, I feel like we're getting into territory that's probably a little too high for this story. Um, because mm-hmm. I'm looking below Avengers World 17, and I'm seeing really fun things like Wolverine Snicked, um, which obviously doesn't have nearly as much uh, heart as this, but is is a lot of fun. Um, but I Actually, think this is better down, than I'm seeing... something like uh, Amazing X Men One to Five Quest for Nightcrawler. See, because I was looking at like a bit below that, because that is at 120. At 131, we got the Generation X Underground special. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, I don't know where this falls compared to that. I This probably isn't as good as Extermination at 124. No. Um, uh, is, mm, I mm. think it's better than 136 Cross Time Capers, uh, which is the X-Men Blue arc. Yeah. Um, is it... Is it better than that time that uh, 
No, okay. Now that I'm about to say it out loud, no, it's not better than that time that War- Warlock turned into a Godzilla. No. Uh, yeah. But And it's not better than Quest for Magic. So, yeah, I think you, you did. I've, I've talked myself through it. This should be our new number 136. Perfect. Great. Um, and since we started with Maddox, we're going to finish with Maddox as well. Yeah. Uh, so this is... It's listed as part two of six, but look, I've read these. I know this is not a six-part story. These are six one-shots. Yeah, it's just pa- uh, it's Pad wrapping up uh, this particular run. So each individual issue focuses on a different part of the team. Yeah, this is the end of X-Factor. Mm-hmm. X-Factor 258. Uh, this is a story about Wolfsbane and Strong Guy. And Reverend John Maddox. Uh, it's written by Pad, pencils by Neil Edwards, and uh, a very early uh, Carmen Camero. Uh, that was something I was surprised to see. Uh, yeah, I was also surprised to see that uh, we're returning to John Maddox's church only to uh, have two men walk in with uh, automatic rifles and shoot the place up. Not what I was expecting in the beginning of this issue. I. I did forget there was a mass shooting in this, yes. Oh, it's rough. That's not great. Rain does That's come sad to for everybody. kind of at least not save the day, but breaks through uh, some stained glass to at least save uh, Reverend Maddox, which... She makes she makes sure it's not worse than it could have right. been. Um, and how she gets there has a lot to do with where she's been with her son being killed by Guido as the king of hell. Well, so that Guido could be the king of hell. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. 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 Uh, and, and save Monet, right? That's the trade-off. Yeah. Monet died, uh, before the big final arc of X factor and Guido, who had lost his soul at this point, Mm -hmm. does decide to become the king of hell so that he can bring her back to life. Uh, but the only problem with that is the way that all the Hell Lords have decided they would figure out who would be the King of Hell is by who killed Rain's son, Tyr. Uh, and Guido does it, stabs him stabs him with a pitchfork, and then everyone disappears to different parts of the world. Rain ends up in the Arctic and hugs a bear for a second. Yeah, uh, she thinks only she's for... having a really lovely conversation with Ramhari uh, and that she's being reunited with him and Tyr. And she's not. She's hugging a polar bear, which is a pretty fun panel, despite the context of the scene. Yeah, Guido shows up then and... Blows up uh, the polar bear. Come on. He does just... Look, they're endangered, man. You can't. Yeah. You he's can't. killing Rain's kid. He's killing the, polar bears. He's really not in a good place this this, this point in the story. Strong guy was struggling. I know. I know he's getting better now. He's got help. He worked through it. But he was in a very dark place when he lost his soul. Yeah. Uh, so Rain is going to study to be a deacon uh, with uh, Reverend Don, John Maddox. That's kind of where they leave it. Yeah, they they kind of all decide that this is the best thing for Rain to do. Uh, it's Rain Rain gets teleported there by Guido. That's that's how she ends up stopping this uh, mass killing. Right. Uh, and it's a little okay. So. I'm not Episcopalian, but like the church I went to, deacons were just some dads who counted money at the end of service. (laughs) And like they would they would help, I guess, with the like major decisions of the church and bookkeeping stuff. There wasn't like a training and you didn't have to live at the church, which is a weird little twist that Peter Allen David does put in here again. Not Episcopalian. Maybe that's a thing they, they do. I'm pretty sure deacons are just dads. They're not. I, I have. Well, you can be a dad and be a deacon, but as someone who has a godfather who is a deacon, it does require a, a, a pretty substantial amount of study and training. Um, but it, it, you know, it just depends oh. on which uh, which thing you're in. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm looking at WikiHow on how to become a deacon in the Episcopalian Church in 11 steps. <laughs> yeah, there are very pro- good images on this. It's a process. Um, anyway, I feel like this issue is kind of shoehorning Maddox into the story. 
I don't like the idea of them just sort of haphazardly needing a, a, a random mass shooting in the church just so that Rain can get a job opening. It seems very <laughs> contrived to me. I did not think of it like that, but yes, that is what that happens. That is exactly what happens, and it's very weird. Um, you know, I mean, the King of Hell stuff is already very, very strange, but that aspect of this particular issue is just like, okay, I understand you want to set your your, your uh, table and have Rain be, you know, part of the John Maddox storyline, but is that the best way to do it? I, I don't know. It's questionable. <laughs> I've got to imagine that random mass shootings aren't necessarily the best thing to do most things in a comic but i would imagine uh you'd be surprised how many uh filmmakers rely on that though you know i mean look end of the day peter david has a heck of a lot more glad awards than i do so he probably knows better yeah i don't think this is his best though so i'm definitely not going to go as high on the list as 136 um which was our last uh x-factor issue we just talked about and I don't even, I don't know. How would you think this compares to 202, which was X-Factor X-Cell? I mean, I don't think it's as good as no, that. Neither. I don't think, I don't think it's as good as like Weapon X Sabretooth in charge at 213. Nope. Nope. I don't think so. I, I mean, do I... think it's better. I think it's better than Skinning of Souls at 231, which we talked about last week. Okay. I can, I can get behind that i mean it's kind of a nothing story but at the same time the art's pretty good um rain hugs a polar bear um but i don't think i could go much higher than that i mean you don't okay it's not better than like into the void i'm not gonna go back and re i'm not gonna go back and reread this issue I'm not going to go back to look at it. Are you going to go it. back and reread Into the Void? I know you like Wills Portacio, but but I'm going to go back and look at it. I'm going to I'm going to go back and look at X-Men number 1 at 227 before I revisit this random issue that has no consequence. Now the issue that comes after this is the Star Shatterstar uh long shot explanation. Oh, you talking about the Daddy Boros? Yeah, which we will we'll get into at some point on the show. That's an issue you might go Someday back to. Someday we're going to talk about the Daddy Boros. It has consequence. Oh. This issue doesn't really have much consequence. Nah, Rain just kind of doesn't right. Doesn't become a deacon. Uh, here's what I'll say. I think this is better than Astonishing X-Men Exiled, which is just a couple of spots up from that at 228. I will concede it's probably not as good as the first issue of X-Men ever. Well, let's put it there. Let's put it at 228. See, you know what this is? This is compromise and growth. And this is this is the nurturing that, you know, what communities are supposed to, uh, you know, create. We've been through a lot tonight, Zach. We really have. And uh, again... I know I said I wouldn't wouldn't thank our uh, benefactor this evening, but Robert, I do want to say thank you. Uh, that was very cathartic to get all that off my chest. I'm glad I spent a half hour mostly yelling <laughs> about Holy War. I, I've been, guys, and I know we're all in the same boat here. I've been cooped up in my basement for a good amount of time. And I'm, I, just like everyone else, I'm struggling just a bit with it. Like, it's it's just a little bit to get through. But this was good. So, Robert, thank you so much. If you want to be like Robert and provide therapy for Adam and I in these tough times, what you can do is go on over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files, look for Battle of the Atom, search for it, find it, click on the link. It's right in the show notes that you're very much listening to right now. And you can just go over there and pitch in at the $2 a month level or more. You can have an entire story just handcrafted and put on this list. And then we'll make an episode about it. At some of the higher levels, you get other things like early access to the show. And I don't know, some other cool perks. You'll figure it out when you get there. It's all written down. Uh, and do that if the spirit moves you. Uh, also, you can go to XavierFiles.com or follow uh, Xavier Files at Xavier Files on the Twitter uh adam what's up guys you can always follow me on twitter at arthur stacy uh i am working from home so in between doing essential tasks for work i've just been having better access to being able to draw so 
been doing a lot of stuff there, so follow on Twitter and uh, check it out. Look at Adam being productive with <laughs> his quarantine times. I'm playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> That's it. That's all I'm doing. I'm an Animal Crossing person <laughs> now, guys. Uh, you can find my Switch code if you want to visit my island. It's not called Krakoa, uh, but it's still a good island. It's called Margarita, and my character is named Island Boy. I like that. You got some Jimmy Buffett playing in the background? I, look, I haven't unlocked the town theme yet, because I have to wait for something to get uh, built, but when I do, I am going to change it to the Margaritaville uh, opening, that (laughs) do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Oh, man. And maybe by that point I'll have the game, so I can actually visit. Oh yeah, it'll be great. I went to I went to some people's islands today. If I went to your island and your name is Ryan, hi, thank you for inviting me to your island. I didn't know who you were. Well, I left him a very nice note. Nice anyway. It, I left him a note. I don't know who Ryan is, but what I do know is that X Men editor and friend of the show Chris Robinson had also visited this island. <laughs> so we all run in the same circles, apparently. <laughs> Hey, this is our new reality. No actual face-to-face contact, just video conferencing and Animal Crossing Island visits. This is our new world. Just get used to it, people. Uh, well, what we're going to have to get used to, Adam, is the art of Joseph Madiera. Yeah, Joe Mad. Because we're, we're, we're doing all Joe Mad all the time next week. Hey, here's the great thing. Joe Mad liked video games a lot more than I did, so he just didn't draw that many comics people he actually didn't he did play a heck of a lot of final fantasy 7 though and like i get it joe i get it you gotta get that golden chocobo and go fight that whatever final weapon that you have to fight and summon knights of the round like eight times get your materia just real powerful you gotta get that you gotta get that choice choice materia i mean Uh, the good thing is that when joe Mad does draw comics. He does it very well. So uh, it's going to be a fun episode next week. It is going to be a fun episode next week. But until then, guys, this has been Bow the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!